Amen. Will you have a look at someone in the eyes and say, love changes everything. And that's really what our kingdom is about, right? We are a kingdom of love. In fact, when Jesus came to teach on this new kingdom, he summed up all the laws and the prophets we see in, in Luke 10 and Mark 12 with these two commands. Love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and love your and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love, love, love. I mean, that is what we're about. But Scripture goes on to talk about love, and we see that love is not a feeling. Love is very much an action word. Love is a doing word. In fact, when the people hearing these new commands wanted clarity on what a neighbor was, Jesus jumped into one of the most famous parables in all of Scripture, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he tells us that there was once a man walking by, and he got beaten up as a Jewish man and got left on the side of the road. And lo and behold, a priest is coming. Now you can imagine people thinking, oh, at least a priest is on the way. But instead of helping this Jewish man, Jesus said that the priest kind of tiptoed around him on the other side of the road. And then it says a temple messenger came by. And the temple messenger, you would think, oh, well, that's, he's going to help the Jewish man surely, but instead... The temple messenger does the same thing. He, he goes on the other side of the road. And then Jesus says, a despised Samaritan. Right, despised why? Because the Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews. It says a Samaritan man comes down the same road and he sees the same man, but instead of going to the other side, he bends down and he dresses his wounds and he picks a Jewish man up and puts him on his own donkey, and they go to an inn, and at the inn, he dresses his wounds and takes care of him. And then the next morning, he pays the innkeeper two silver coins, and he says, I'm on my way back. Just give this man anything he needs. On my way back, I'll settle his bill. I'll settle his debt. And then Jesus says, who was the neighbor? Who was loving the neighbor? Who was being neighborly and they replied, Jesus, it's a one who showed mercy. And then Jesus says these words. He says, now go and do likewise. Look at someone and say, go and do likewise. We learn something so significant about that parable. We learn that love is when you show mercy, when you help those who are downtrodden, when you take care of those who tannic cannot take care of themselves, when you give people a leg up, when you extend them a helping hand, that is when you are being loving, and that is when you are fulfilling the commandment to love your neighbor. It's not just a gooey feeling. Oh, I really love you. No, love is showing mercy. It's mercy in action. And we know, guys, there are people all around us who are like that Jewish man. They have been beaten up by life. They've been beaten up by circumstance. Some of them have even been beaten up by other people. And, and they're on our path, right? They're, they're on our journey, and we come across them, and we have to make that same decision as a priest and the temple messenger and the Samaritan. Do I get involved in this mess that is not mine? Do I show love now? Well, today we're going to hear some stories from some very brave individuals who are going to share with us their experience of kind of being beaten up and left on the side of the road called life. So will you help me give a very warm new life welcome to my guests as they come on the stage. Thank you guys, come up. 
Well, we can, we can keep uh, cheering for them. They're not here yet. Well, you might not know their names or their faces, so I'm going to ask them to quickly introduce themselves for, to you. And would you guys tell them what's your name and maybe just what do you do for a living? Um, my name is Ioannita and I am a teacher. Everyone, my name is Philip and I'm a CCTV technician. Morning, my name is Morne and I'm an electrician. Hello, my name is Lindo and I'm a childcare worker. Hello, my name is Maloney and I'm a medic. Awesome, guys. Well, let's make them feel welcome one more time. I promise you guys, it takes a lot of guts to be sitting on these seats. So we really are grateful for your bravery and your courage today. And I trust that what you're going to share is really going to touch some lives today. I want to know from you times in your life where maybe you were kind of down, out and trying to beaten up by life and circumstance. And, and you were in a position of deep pain or deep need. And so maybe let's start with you, Monet. Can you think of a time in your life where that happened to you? Yeah, I was a drug addict. I used heroin as a drug and I was broken. I was caught up in the devil's playground. I didn't how, how did you fall in that? How did that start? I met this girl, I was at a house party and I met this girl where she shot up heroin and this was my first encounter with drugs and she shot me up. And I woke up Monday morning and I'm surprised I couldn't feel myself. My heart was beating too fast, I was sweaty, I wasn't myself. So I called and I asked what's wrong and she told me, no, you are withdrawing, you need a fix. After your first encounter with heroin, you already had withdrawal symptoms? Yes, after my first encounter. Wow. And so Monet, I mean, did you, did you get a fix? Did you, did you I, keep on getting fixes? Yeah, I kept on for six years. I kept going for six years. I mean, that is so damaging to your body. I mean, we know that the effects of drugs like that is terrible on the body, but did it have any other effect in your life now that you're kind of addicted to this drug? I lost everything. I lost my family. I lost my home. I was staying on the street. You lived on the streets? Yes, I lived so on the street. Were you homeless? Yes, I was homeless. Wow, Monet. Uh, how long were you, were you homeless for? Six years. Six years and, and was here in Whitbank? Yeah, in Whitbank. So it might be a face some of you even recognize or... You might even recognize some of these faces, Monet. I mean, what were you doing to try and get income? I was on the robot, standing on the robot, begging for money. And I stole and broke into houses to support my fix. Wow. I mean, that's just a crazy way to live. And it just shows how desperate you must have been for, for income. I mean, did you, was there any effect in your life? Did anything happen with you begging for money and stealing things? They caught me while I was breaking in, so they locked me up. I was in, I got sentenced for a year and eight months. In prison? In prison. Wow. And I only did time for eight months and I got out of a good behavior. On so, good behavior. obviously in prison you're not, I mean, are you getting drugs in prison? You can get drugs, but I didn't get drugs. Okay, so you became clean for those eight I months. I got clean. Well, for that time in prison, and then I got out, and then I relapsed again. I know. And so when you got out of jail, did you reconnect? Well, when you were clean, did you try to reconnect with your family? And the, It was a story because they didn't trust me. So I couldn't connect with them. 
Okay. So it was difficult. So after coming out of jail, you ended up back on the streets. I was back on the street, yes. Wow. And then did you stay clean, Monet? Didn't stay clean. <laughs> wow. So you relapsed? I relapsed, yes. How, how long were you on the streets and after you came out of jail? About three years. Three years? Yes. So no home, no income, no, no home, family support? Nothing. And now you're addicted? I was addicted that time, yeah. Okay, well, Monet, we're going to leave you there beating up our life on the side of the road. We can't even imagine what that must be like uh, to walk that road and that journey. Um, maybe let's go to you, Philip and Yunita. Can you think of a time or remember a time where life had beaten you up? Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, when we got married... Uh, we really wanted to start a family very soon. We both love children a lot. So, but unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, we struggled to conceive a child for about five years. Five years? Yes. Trying to conceive a, a baby. And, yeah. and I mean, did you get medical advice in that time? I mean, you must have at some point realized something's wrong. We were scared. Because it was so final, if we go look for answers and we get those answers, then there will be some sort of finality. And so we didn't go ask for help. For the whole five years? For the whole five years. Okay, so you're realizing something's wrong, but you'd rather not know. Okay. So what impact did it have on you guys as a marriage, in your life? I mean, that's quite a hard journey to walk. Anyone who's walked that journey would know how difficult that is. Uh, the infertility journey is quite lonely, and, and we did struggle. Um, but the worst thing about it was the fact that we completely separated ourselves from God. Okay, so this had a massive effect in your relationship with yes. God. And why? How did that affect your relationship with God? I think it's about the disappointment and, and you go through this motions of month after month, year after year, praying, and then eventually you just stop. You just give up and you give up on God and you don't believe He's good. God, I literally didn't believe He was good. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> But, yeah, so, and then we stopped going to church. So you guys pulled out of a church community? Completely. And also, it got to a point where I even didn't close my eyes while other people prayed. Okay, so you really got, like, yes. angry with God. Philip, what kind of effect did it have on your life, your marriage? Well, it, it wasn't a good effect. Um, yeah, uh, it, it broke us down. It, uh, like, we... It just broke us down. And so you guys now, after this journey, it sounds like you've lost a lot of your spiritual walk and your trust in God and your belief in His goodness and His character. And uh, we can just imagine how painful that must have been. So we're going to leave you there, kind of unchurched and far from God and struggling in your family dynamic. And uh, let's move over to you, Lindor. Can you remember a time in your life where things really didn't go well or couldn't plan? Yes, uh, in 2004, we lost both my parents and they, they my... They both passed away? Yes. Wow. And my sister and I have to raise each other. How, how old were you when this happened, Lindor? I was six years and my sister was 11. Sure. So your sister started raising you when yes. she was just 11 years old? Yes, my sister started raising me. She watched... Clothes for people, we ask to wash dishes so that we can get food. Wow. Yes. And, I mean, did this, I mean, could you even afford to go to school? I mean, how did that affect your schooling? 
Uh, it didn't affect school that much because we also get food at school. Wow. Yes. So did you manage to finish school? Yes, I managed at That's a good 20, big sister, Lindor. In school <laughs> kept you in school. That's a... And so how, did, how was life after that? In 2016, I finished my metric. After I finished, I started working at a tavern. Okay, so you got a job. Yes. Yeah, so life seems like it's going up. Yes, life seems like it's going up. And then I worked for three years because in November 2019, on my way back home from work, I was raped that night by four men. Wow. And Sorry, the me. next day, I called at work and tell them that I quit. Yeah, I can so, just imagine. I mean... That is, I think, people's worst nightmare. Yes, um, it was a nightmare. And, and you're very brave, Linda, for sharing this with us. Can we just give her a hand just for her courage today? <laughs> so, Linda, I mean, what effect did that have on your life? I mean, you've just, the worst things happened to you. Uh, you were saying you called the next day and, and left your job. Mm, the next day I called at work. I told them I quit. After a week, I felt, I felt sick and went to the clinic. I found out that I was pregnant and I tried to commit suicide. I even became a Google expert because I Googled home remedies to make abortions. And I buy Niger uh, pills from the Nigerian guys to make abortion. I drink it, but it didn't work. What, Lindor? So you actually took the medicine? Yes, I actually took the medicine and I went to the clinic. They say, no, the baby is fine. You are still fine. Wow. Okay, so now you must have felt a bit stuck because you're yes, pregnant I felt, and you didn't want to be. I felt stuck. I, Can we just also just quickly praise God for saving that life, yeah. the baby's life? I felt stuck. I felt like it was the end of my life because the most of the friends I have was boys and now something happened to me. Now I started not trusting them. So I can just imagine. I isolated myself. I become alone. So you're pregnant and through no choice of your own, you've gone through something traumatic and you're losing even your, your support and your structure. Yes. Okay, Lindor, that is... <laughs> Yeah, terrible what happened to you. We, we're going to see now kind of what happened, how did they get out of that dip, what did God do in their lives, and hopefully uh, hopefully you, you didn't live right there on the road broken and beat up. So let's go to you, Monet. I mean, um, the last time we saw you, you, you've been homeless and a drug addict for six years. You've lost your family. Um, you've lost your home. Yeah, I mean, everything's gone. How did you get out of that? Okay, so I met these people when I was standing at the robot, Ian and Veronica. So I was still in denial that time. So every Sunday they came to me and cooked a, a hot meal for me every Sunday with a prayer as, they, as we're gathering at the robot. So this couple just randomly comes and cooks you food Every every Sunday. Every Sunday. Uh, is this people you knew, like family friends? I, I or never knew, you knew them from I didn't your childhood. Know, 
I didn't notice people at all. So complete strangers. Complete strangers. Just every Sunday committed. I mean, did this go what for one or two weeks? How long was it? It was a while. Upon over a year that it kept on wow. going. Okay. And what are they doing? This. I mean, what's the conversation like with you? And we started a conversation and asked me why I was on drugs. We're on drugs, and I'm like in denial. So I said, No, I'm not on drugs. So it kept on going on for a while, and then one day I was just I was tired. I was really tired of waking up, going to go and steal for my fix, asking money. And I told them, okay, I've got a problem. I'm a drug addict. And the next Sunday they came to me and they said, are you ready? And I said, okay, no, I'm fine. I'm ready. And they said, are you ready to go to rehab? And I said, okay, let's do this. And on some way along, they met up with my family and they... Uh, pull my family in also. Okay, so they went through the effort of even trying to find, connect. I mean, you didn't give them your family's details. Nothing, no details, nothing. <laughs> wow. So we went to my family's house and, yeah, everything was packed and we said our farewells and I went to rehab for a year. Attending the rehab, I went to Bible College also. Was that part of the rehab program? It was part of the rehab program. Yeah, but I love that not only did you go to rehab or did they put you in a rehab, but they really... We're committed to putting you in a Christian rehab, right? Uh, and I think that's just proof that really the answer for these things is really Jesus. And I mean, you've seen that now, Monet. So you were there for a year. I mean, how did you even afford that? It's difficult. <laughs> but yeah, I just asked Lord, just help me through this. Yes, my life. Yeah. Help me. I want to be the, the person that I must be in your, in your eyes. And he helped me through every difficult time. And we just keep on going. I mean, and were Ian and Veronica involved at all? Involved still today, they're involved. Yes, and in your rehab? In my rehab program, involved. And, yeah. Wow. How were they involved, Monet? They came and they, they were like, are you fine? They really cared. You know, they, the love was so great for me. I didn't expect nothing. So that's where it started. That's where God, I can see the work of God coming true was through, through them. And they never gave up till today. And I know you said they supported you even. They supported me. I went to the, when I was in the program during the rehab, they supported me of paying half my rehab for me. For the year? For the year. And these guys you never met before. Never like, met them know. before. I mean, isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah. So, Monet, what changed now? I mean, you know, you had been clean before and relapsed. Um, have you stayed clean after that rehab? I'm clean now for four years. <laughs> Woo! It's amazing. And uh, what's happened now that you're drug free? I okay, mean, you... God blessed me in so many ways. He, he blessed me with a great, amazing wife. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm having my first born, yeah? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's amazing. His grace is just amazing. He never gives up. He never gives up. I mean, have you found work then, Monet? I'm blessed with a great job. Actually, one of my bosses, I can see him here sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> and I assume now you have a place to stay. i got a beautiful family home. A beautiful family home. I'm just blessed. Man, can we praise God for that restoration in Monet's life? That is so exciting. And I just love that we can see the restoration of God. You know, it reminds me a bit of Matthew 25. Um, Jesus said these words. He said, the king said to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. 
I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Isn't that beautiful? And just such a reiteration of the power of intervention in someone's life. So thank you for sharing that story, Monet. Thank you, Milani, for allowing him to. Um, let's move over to you, uh, Philip, Yonita. The last time we saw you guys, you're kind of angry with God, distant from him, really disappointed that you can't start this family. Uh, what happened after that, Philip? Hello. One of our friends invited us for a child dedication here at New Life Church. Okay, so you were randomly invited. So this is a close friend who was in the church. Yes. Getting their child dedicated. Yes. Okay, so they had the courage to like, hey, you got to come to church. Okay, that's cool. And okay. how was that for you guys? It, it was great. Uh, me and Yonita walked outside, and I asked her, why don't we do the stick six? And, uh, you know, it's probably been stick 60 now, and it's, it's all good. Wow. I mean, I can just imagine the amount of hurdles you had to get over just to get here because you haven't, you know, you haven't stepped foot in a church. You're a little bit angry with God. But also it's a child dedication, so it couldn't have been easy. Uh, when you struggle with infertility, any event that celebrates a child is quite difficult to go to. So I was very reluctant to come. Um, I remember that Sunday I didn't sing along during worship. I was just standing here angry at God. Why? And also some of the children's homes kids were dedicated. So I was thinking, why did I not have a child? I, I've got a home and then there are children in a children's home. So it was quite So you're like blaming God for just the whole world. Yes. Yeah. But there. then when he said um, that we should come back, the next week. Were you surprised by that, Junita? Yes, because I grew up in a church-going family, and he not so much. So uh, it was difficult. Uh, it was it was it was a shock for me because he wasn't the one that would say, "Let's go to church." And so we did. We did. We did come. The and next it just week. shows, by the way, the power of an invitation. Yes. Right. It's just sometimes that's all it takes. It's just like, "Hey, come along and see." Right. But then uh, the next Sunday when we came here, it was uh, Vision Sunday and it was the Ma Claim Your Mountain service. Oh, cool. How many of you remember the Claim Your Mountain Vision Sunday? Yeah, 2020. So then we claim our parenthood mountain. Um, but during worship, the band was singing Waymaker. And it really it was the first time of me hearing that song because I didn't hear it because I didn't listen to worship music. So, uh, and then that... The Holy Spirit just worked in me, and I just broke down. And I realized that if he is going to make a way, either way, it's him that's going to make the way. So, uh, yeah, then... So you really had an encounter with God? Yes. Okay, and that really changes everything. Yes. We know We know that when God shows up. And so what was your journey like after that? So we went to Connect Night, signed up to volunteer at the children's home because we love children. There you guys are. Yes. Connect. Awesome. And then um, we had time to heal our relationship with God. And it was a long process. Um, and then in that time, we found out that medically, we will not be able to conceive a child um, naturally. Okay, so you got the news that you were kind of scared of getting yes. in the first place that you couldn't. Yes. Okay. 
So, but it was it was difficult, but it was a little bit easier because God was with us. Yeah. So we knew that His way is going to be different, and it was because we went to the adoption conference. Now, if you you know, New Life is all about adoption. So He led us here, and we saw adoption everywhere. Yeah, you can't really escape it here, can you? <laughs> So then, yeah, we um, uh, we were praying about it a lot because it's not an, an easy decision. And then Pastor Louis had a Facebook post about his testimony, and that was a confirmation for about us. About his adoption story. About his adoption. And then um, we got into connection with Tammy. We went to the adoption conference, put things a little bit on hold just to make sure that we are okay because getting news and then just adopting wouldn't be for the right reasons. But then Tammy contacted us for a meeting and asked us, um, who have we bonded with? So she's for calling you, So you didn't set the meeting with her. She's just calling you in she, for a meeting. She called us. So there's some prompting with Tammy then. Yes. And she's like, hey, who are you guys jolling with? And what was your answer to that? Well, uh, I immediately said the three girls. Wow. And, uh, three you, girls. Juanita almost fell off a chair. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys hadn't discussed this beforehand. No. For, for those of you who uh, maybe have been around the children's home, you would know that there were three sisters. Actually, the first girls with us were three sisters when we opened the home. So those are the three girls that you guys just bonded with. Yes. And so you must have fallen off your chair when you was like, three? Yes, because I was thinking baby. And, and, and I remember we had to fill for the adoption conference. We had to fill in these forms and we had to say, uh, what are we interested in adopting and so forth. And three girls wasn't on the list. So, uh, but then um, because we gave everything to God, we said, if this is meant to be, then just steer us. Just take it over. And I'm a control freak. You can see because I like to take the mic. Um, but then <laughs> I gave everything over. We gave everything over. And then last year, June, at the end of June, they moved in to our home. Woo! So beautiful. Man, that's so good. I love it. And so, I mean, what's the journey been like, Philip? What's it been like being a dad to three suddenly and three, like, bigger girls? Uh, being the only man or guy <laughs> in a house with four women, it's, it's tough. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. But it, it's tough, but we, we have such an amazing support system from our neighbors to our family, to our parents, our, my parents-in-law. Everyone is so welcoming. This, these girls have this amazing family and friend support system. And um, also God has blessed us financially. I mean, we didn't have any children. Children are expensive, but we haven't had any need not met since we, the girls were Man, I love that. Isn't God good? He's so good. Lindor, let's uh, pivot to you. And yeah, the last time we saw you, the worst thing in your life has happened. Um, how did you get out of that? Uh, at my six months pregnant, I started texting one of my friend's sister, Charmaine, asking her if she knows a place or someone who wants a child. So you were now, okay, this was like plan B now. Just you were wanting to give the baby away. Yes, I was like, I want to give a baby to someone who does not have or who wants a baby. Sure. And what did Charmaine say? Uh, after that, Charmaine, she's part of New Life Church. 
she introduced me to Tammy and Nikki who were there to support me. And I love that. So you're already just these people in your life that are willing to open the door and invite you in. Yes. So did you start just building relationship with Nikki and Tammy and Jermaine? Yes, I started building up a relationship with them after I have given birth. So they supported you right through the pregnancy? Yes. to the birth even? Yes. Sure. After I was given birth, uh, after I've given birth, I was offered a job at New Life Children's Home to... So cool. Okay. To relieve one of the staff who was going on a maternity leave. So suddenly, because of those relationships, you end up there now on your staff just relieving it. But now you end up raising a whole lot of children that yes. aren't yours. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. Um, and I was given a chance. So it's true when they say God uh, qualifies the chosen one because it's like I am a chosen one. I ended up becoming a house parent assistant. And God gave me a chance to raise a little girl who was left in our parking lot until she was reunited with her family. And God still gave me many more chances to raise kids from the children's home and those who are still to come. And, and it's amazing that God's chosen you for that, Linda, knowing your story. And I mean, as many of you know this baby that was abandoned here in the parking lot, so... It was you actually who raised that baby when yes, who was to the home. me that received her from the parking lot. And the beautiful and thing about that story her. is that baby was eventually actually reunited to its own mother. Yes, and I know she was so grateful. She even wrote letters and stuff, just giving thanks to everyone. I think this is a bit of a letter, just thanking you and the home for raising a child while she couldn't. Yes, she did, and that child bring peace to my heart. She heals me. Because now I am able to raise many more kids with love, not anger, and all the way. And I have accepted Jesus Christ at my, as my Lord and Savior. Hey, beautiful. And I am baptized. Yes. And I can say that I am nothing without Jesus Christ. Woo! So good. Well, I want to just ask one last question uh, to all of you, and that's if, what if those people had stayed silent? Monet, have you ever thought about kind of what would have happened if, you know, Ian and Veronica had done nothing? To be honest, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. So it's a life and death for you. Philip, Yonita, if you had never been invited, what do you think would have happened? We would have never met those girls. Yeah. And those girls are what we live for now. So sorry, I'm emotional. But um, we have never, and they need, they needed us and we needed them as well. So that invitation led us here and Amen. led us to them. It's a power of invitation. Um, and for you, Lindo, if you had never had someone that you could reach out to help you, have you ever thought of what, where you would be? Uh, I think I will also will have not been here because I was asking God, why don't you just take my life? Maybe I will have given birth to the kid and then I throw her in the dustbin. Like, yes, mm. so I thank God. Man, so again, life and death, really, the situation. Wow. 
So here's a challenge for you. I think it's for you to realize that you might not be able to change the world, but you surely can change someone's world. And that is our command. That's a command that God's given us to love him, but then love the people that are on our path that are in need. And that love is not just having compassion and sympathy. It's doing something. It's being willing to get your hands dirty. It's being willing to put your relationship at risk and, and do the invite or, or put your budget at risk and cook that meal. But it's spending your time at doing something in order to show mercy. That's what it means to love your neighbor. And it has power. It has power. Imagine if every one of us in this room loved the people on our path because I guarantee you there's someone. I guarantee you there's someone on your path that God is calling you to love with action. And I wonder who that person could be. In fact, can you close your eyes for a moment? I want you to really think about the people along your path. Might be people standing at a robot or people in your own home. Might be people you work with, people who are in need. And we, we're surrounded by need, guys. But the solution is not the government. The solution is not some organization. The solution is the church. It's you and me. We have been called to love our neighbors. So who is God calling you to love? Holy Spirit, with every eye closed, I want to pray that you would right now just put faces in front of our minds. Bring names to remembrance, God. God, we know there's great need in this world. But we also know you've called us to meet that need. You've called us to be the light in the darkness. You've called us to be the change agent, God. We don't want to just love in feeling and in principle and in concept, God. We want to show mercy. Holy Spirit, teach us how to do this better. Show us a better way. God, show us how much power we have in our invitations and in our connections and our conversations. Show us, God, how, how lives can truly be impacted and changed. Jesus, I pray that we would live like this more. And well, God, I want to just thank you. I give you praise and glory for your activity in these lives. They would not be here today without you, God. You are sovereign. You are in control. You have orchestrated things. And even in our worst moments, God, you can make a way. And we have seen it. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it, God. God, I thank you that in you there's always hope. There's always an answer. There's always a way out. Father, I want to pray that you would more and more and more show us how to love well and show mercy well. God, help us more and more not to make this about ourselves but to make this about you and your kingdom and the people around us, I pray. And I pray this now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank them as they leave stage today?